Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast where each week I discuss practical, simple, and scientifically backed ways to help you take back control of your mental health, help others, and ultimately live your happiest life. In this episode, I am interviewing Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum on how the fungus in our gut could be causing mental and physical health problems. Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum is a world-renowned expert on the microbiome with more than 25 years of research experience. He was the first to coin the term microbiome, since a portion of his research focused closely on the neglected fungal side of the microbiome equation. Dr. Ghanoum has made a big impact on this field of study and has attracted more than 25 million in federal and 30 million in industrial investment. His research is instrumental and his publications show what goes into the fungus while examining key factors for maintaining health and treating illness. Dr. Ghanoum has published over 300 peer-reviewed articles and five books in the field of biofilms, microbial pathogenesis, and preclinical in vitro and in vivo evaluations of antimicrobials. Dr. Ghanoum's recently released book, Total Gut Balance, Fix Your Microbiome Fast for Complete Digestive Wellness, is the first general audience guide on the subject. The first section of the book dives into the science and inner workings of the microbiome and microbiome, while the second section is a comprehensive guide on strategic food choices and meal plans readers can follow to best maintain a flourishing microbiome and in turn a truly balanced gut. Dr. Ghanoum is also the director of the Integrated Microbiome Corps and the Center for Medical Mycology at Case Western Reserve University and the University's Hospitals Cleveland Medical Center and studies Crohn's disease, infectious diseases, cancer, and the skin microbiome. He has been featured by Forbes, NPR's Tech Nation, Mind Body Green, Well and Good, Goop, and others. He is an invited speaker at national and international congresses where he spreads the word on how to rebalance your fungal and bacterial communities for better health and wellness. In this episode, Dr. Ghanoum and I discuss how to identify if you have a fungal issue in your gut, how this may be affecting your mental and physical health, and how to heal yourself using food, exercise, sleep, and proper mind management techniques. Just before we start... I want to thank everyone again who has left a review, subscribed to this podcast and shared it on social media and with friends and family. Not only does your feedback help me improve each episode, but I also love seeing what you guys are learning and what key takeaways you have. It's so encouraging and exciting. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review. This information in this podcast is free. All I ask is that you share and subscribe. One more note before we begin. This interview was recorded remotely, so the audio quality may be a little scratchy in some areas. Now, 
back to today's episode. Dr. Ganoom, I am so excited and so honored and thrilled that you're on my podcast today. You just, you're, you're brilliant and amazing and your work is outstanding. I actually found out about you fairly recently. I was at the, over, over December and I was actually at the gym working out and listening to one of your podcasts and, and your interviews and I was enjoying it so much. I listened to it twice and our whole family all listening Aww. to it, all excited, already all sent off, you know, for the kit from your biome company. So we're very, very excited about what you do and and I'm just thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you. First of all, I really thank you very much for your kind words. And it's my pleasure to talk to you. And I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, your book is fantastic. I have it open next to me and I have lots of questions and I just know my listeners are going to benefit so much from your work. So, Dr. Ganoom, can we start with you just telling us what got you started with the work that you do? You know, why do you do what you do? Sure. What got me really started are the many calls and emails I received from really basically desperate people who reached out to me to help them or actually their children with gut issues. This really started the outreach from these families when I published our work on Crohn's disease and we showed that bacteria and fungus work together so that they really cause the inflammation, the gastrointestinal inflammatory symptoms. And these people started calling me so that I can really suggest for them ways to try to hopefully to help them and help their kids get better. That's incredible because you you actually a pioneer and actually started this whole this whole research around the microbiome. So can you just to dive into this walk us through the difference between the microbiome, which everyone's talking about now, as you say in your book as well, and then the and how that's different to the microbiome. As I'm saying to the audience, you are the pioneer when it comes to the microbiome. What are they? What's the difference between them? You know how it started, it really, the idea of we should look at the fungus started many, many years ago when I was in England doing my doctorate, where my supervisor or my mentor gave me a paper. He said, this is what you will be working on. And that paper was about taking a rabbit, which you give them antibiotics, and guess what happened? They start to develop fungal infections. So Mm. when I started looking deeply into this, What I found out that women, when they use antibiotics, guess what happened? They they develop thrush, which is fungus. And Mm -hmm. that really told me that bacteria and fungus are in our body and they work together. If one goes down, the other goes up and vice versa. Mm. And then about 12 years ago, I, of course, like everybody else, was hearing about the microbiome and people talking about bacteria. And that's when I said, really, we need to look at both bacteria and fungi. And I told them the story, how it started in many, many, many years ago Mm -hmm. in England. And I said, these two organisms or these two communities, really, because in each community, there are a number of organisms work together and affect each other. And Mm. I start writing articles and not only writing articles, I start doing research. I started particularly in HIV infected patients in their oral cavity, in their mouth. And Mm -hmm. what I showed that there is a difference in the fungi as well as bacteria 
in the oral cavity, and that's why we really need to look at that. And fast forward, I got interested in Crohn's disease patients, and lo and behold, we really saw the same thing as I mentioned, where we have both an increase in candida, which is a fungus, E. coli, as well as Cirrhotia, which are two bacteria. And that's really what solidified the idea that for total gut balance, you need to look at both bacteria and fungus. I love that. I love how you your research and your new book, Total Gut Balance, focuses on the microbiome specifically. But I love how you define the, the, the difference between the two. And just for the listeners, we'll put the book in the show notes, the link. It's called Total Gut Balance. It's something that I strongly recommend you get. It's a fantastic book. Very well laid out. I love how you've laid it out, Dr. Ganum. It's really fantastic with lots of pictures. You've got questionnaires. You've got so many. It's easy to follow. You've even got recipes at the back. And I, oh. I love that. But I, I wanted to ask you you talk about uh, the, you know, the fungi fungi i like the example right on page four where you already you have a picture of the different fungi and you actually explain how they they can be like a, a double personality i love the way you say that so for example penicillin can be good for us and bad for us and mushrooms <laughs> can be good for us and bad for us so i thought that's quite a nice place to start could you talk a little bit about that yes you know this is really very important concept why because people always are afraid when you hear about fungus especially about candida they really get sort of, oh my God, this is a bad thing. Mm. And to me, I want to tell them, look, fungi could be good, as you mentioned, and it could be bad. And especially in our health, as long as we have fungus under control, they are actually beneficial to us. They help us. And I can tell you, for example, it, I did a study before, I looked at people, and 50% of people have candida not only in their mouth, but also in their gut. That wow. is no problem, and they are healthy. Now, the issue is, as long as it is low numbers, or what you call low abundance, then fungi is really helpful. However, if we really don't control it, and it goes out of whack, that's when we start to see issues. And the best example, which I'm sure your listeners will appreciate, is, as I said, if somebody takes an antibiotic, what you're doing, you are killing both good bacteria and bad bacteria. And by doing this, you giving the chance for the fungus to grow and ca start causing havoc. Mm, that's so that, that's as people can relate to that example because you know people take antibiotics all the time and, and sometimes they take the probiotics with them but there's so much more to this whole thing you know that was what was so unique when I was what really struck me when I listened to you and read your book is just how we've actually overlooked a whole huge part of our health um, our health and our functionality in our gut and just before we dive into the fungi I want to just also ask you I really liked on page six you described the microbiome being so much more than just the microbes but they, they um, just just the bacteria because people as you say they're very familiar with the microbiome and gut bacteria because everyone's talking about this but it's not just bacteria there's other things as well in the microbiome absolutely can you just explain that and then we can go a little deeper into the fungi? Sure. In our body and on our body, whether it's our skin, mouth, gut, reproductive organs, you know, the vagina, we have both bacteria and fungus. But in addition, we have also viruses. And sometimes in our gut, we have parasites as well. And there is another group of organisms called archaea. 
So you can see it's like a population living in a city. It's mm. diverse people. You know, you have black, you have white, you have different religions. All of them, they make the community the same in our gut. We have bacteria, fungus, viruses, and parasites as community. And they all, like when they live in a city, interact together. So it's very important to look at the big picture, sort of. Mm, and not just focus on one thing, but to focus on, on the big picture. I really like that. So how is fungi in particular significant? What, is, what does it do that's different than bacteria? That's really a very, very good question because fungi, if you think about it, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, is really could be very helpful. Mm -hmm. it, is, it can make antibiotics. For example, penicillin, the first antibiotic that we discovered was produced by a fungus called penicillium. Mm -hmm. Okay. It mm -hmm. also is good as a food and the best thing you can think of, of mushrooms, for example. We use it to make bread. We use it to ferment a beer and wine. So it has many, many advantages, okay? Also, in our gut, when it is present at low level, as we mentioned, it, mm. it helps us break down food or ferment the food, okay? So, mm. and there was a study where it shows somebody who take, for example, a bowl of brown rice, okay? Fungi, Candida in particular can come and break this complex carp, okay? Mm -hmm. And then what happens, bacteria comes and take the byproduct of this breakdown and use it to eat and feed itself, okay? Mm. And produce other molecules which candida can use again. So it's sort of a complete cycle. Mm. Or one start the process, the other benefit, and then the second will also benefit. At the same time, we are also happy as hosts because <laughs> we are going to get our nutrients. So, but the question is, why really should we pay attention to the fungus? You know, because as I mentioned, it is all over us. And if it is not under control, it could cause a problem. And we need to keep it under control because, you know, we need to stay healthy, not only in our gut, but our overall wellness. Mm, absolutely. That's so interesting. Can you explain a bit more about that? Like, for example, if we, if we like candida, for example, if we have candida in the gut overgrowth, okay, what we start have, we start have diarrhea. We may start, start having abdominal pain. Yeah. Mm. And also some constipation. Some other people may have some allergy have been shown associated if we have too much of the fungus. Okay. So what we want to do is we need to make sure that we have them, but they are at low numbers, as I mentioned, and then it will help us and then we can stay healthy. Okay, that's so interesting. So what you, you started explaining that it's different to bacteria. Do you mind explaining again that what does the fungi do that's different to the bacteria? I think, first of all, they, they can trigger other immune system, which bacteria does not. Like, you know, our mm. immunity, which is very important for our wellness. If it starts candida, for example, with its cell wall, the manan, you know, the cell wall, which surrounds the cell, the cell mm -hmm. and makes it strong sometimes has certain elements such as manans, for example, which can trigger immune responses, which bacteria does not have. 
Also, fungi, what it does, which is different from bacteria, is we show uh, is when they form a biofilm, which is what we call digestive plaque. And this is like the plaque in our teeth. Every morning we brush our teeth, you know, mm-hmm. to get rid of this plaque. And now in our gut, fungi can work with the bacteria, especially the bad ones, and start forming this biofilm, okay? We call it Mm -hmm. digestive plaque. So what does it do to us then? Fungi changes its shape. Instead of being round, you know, or elliptical, like you have the yeast, the baker's yeast, they are sort of little round balls. They start Mm -hmm. to form these threads or what we call filaments, and these are able to start to break down the cell lining. It damages the cell lining. Bacteria does not do it as well as fungi. So that's mm. why the cooperation between the two, we really need to pay attention to. Wow. That is fascinating. And we, and we haven't been doing that, have we really? It's not, it's not an area that's had much attention until you've kind of made people aware of it. Yeah, I, I must say that's the issue, which I wrote two articles, a review article saying we really need to pay attention. I, I'm not saying don't study bacteria. No, bacteria is important. But really, if you only look at bacteria alone, you are looking at half of the story. You have to look at the fungus, especially we showed by our publications. And by the way, others are now starting to show that they play together to cause havoc in our gut. Wow. And you said in the beginning, if one goes up, the other goes down. And if one goes down, the other goes up. Which is the correct way around? Which one needs to be up? Which one needs to be down? So we would like to have more beneficial bacteria because they are good, they keep candida under control. Mm-hmm. And that's why if we kill the bacteria by the best, the easiest example, which we mentioned. The antibiotics. antibiotics. Mm. Yeah. Then you will start the other one to go up. So we mm. need to starve the bad fungus and we need to encourage the growth of the good bacteria, as well as, by the way, we have good fungus as well, such as mm-hmm. Saccharomyces. Mm, and so we need that, that we don't want to get rid of that good fungus. What is no. the good fungus? So the good fungus is helping with that gut lining you explaining. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So this good fungus have been shown, Saccharomyces cerevisiae in published work have been shown to really help with antibiotic associated diarrhea, for example. It helps you mm. if you have, uh, if you take antibiotic, you have diarrhea, Saccharomyces seems to help you. Okay. Mm. Also, it's able to keep candida under control. We published a paper recently, uh, recently like last April 2019, where we showed the probiotic which we developed. It's called Biome, B-I-O-H-M probiotic, mm. has Saccharomyces cerevisiae and another good bacteria strain, bacterial strains, which is able to break the digestive plaque. So having the good yeast also is as important as having the good bacteria. Okay, I'm just reiterating because it's such important information and I want to make sure that myself and my listeners understand. So the the good fungi and the good bacteria together are breaking that plaque, which is almost like that film on your teeth, but in your gut. And that's dangerous for your body and for your immune system and for your whole GI function. Is that correct? Absolutely. 
Okay, wow, this is amazing stuff. Let's talk about a little bit. Um, I'm in the field of mental health as a cognitive neuroscientist. I've been researching the mind-brain connection. And I do clinical trials looking at mind and, and brain health. So this is that's why this is so fascinating for me, the work that you're doing. So I'm interested as well for your take on how the fungi and the microbiome, as opposed to the microbiome, is connected to mental health and brain health. I think this is really very, very important area which we really need to pay more and more attention. Really what's happening now, there is emerging evidence through studies that the gut microbiome is really closely involved in the communication between the gut and the brain. Mm -hmm. And studies starting to show that also this fungus play a role in neurological diseases such as autism. Okay? Mm. So in addition to bacteria, also fungi can affect these neurological cases. And if you find sometimes perturbation or imbalance of the gut microbiome, which is the fungal community, you are going to start to have some neurodegenerative diseases or neurodevelopmental conditions such as autism. Okay. Mm. And it's so interesting. We just finished a study where we looked at kids with autism and their siblings, brothers or sisters who do not have autism. And we were able to show that there is imbalance or what you call the scientific word dysbiosis in Mm -hmm. both bacteria and fungus. Wow, incredible. So is that a causative link between the two? This is very, very important question. Really, we are now planning to start undertaking experiment to show is it just correlation correlational causative i just applied for a grant from a foundation to go into these mechanisms and i hope we will be able to establish one way or another in the coming hopefully a few years that's incredible. Well, I'm, I'm really rooting for you for that research because that's so important because I know there's, you know, working in the field that I do, I know there's a lot of, as you say, information on the gut microbiome and autism, but to also have that balance of the of the fungi, because, you, you know, you've stressed a few times, it's only half the picture. We've got to look at the two, microbiome and microbiome and the community aspects within and the connection within them. So I'm very excited about that work that you're doing. In this current crisis, it's vital we do everything we can to boost not just our mental health, but also physical health and immune system. That's why I love and recommend bone broth. Bone broth is packed with clean ingredients and nutrients like collagen, protein, and key amino acids that your body needs to thrive. Plus, a healthy gut will improve your mental health and can help reduce anxiety and depression. My favorite bone broth and the one I highly recommend is Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire Bone Broth is keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, and Whole30 approved. Trying to avoid the grocery store? Well, Kettle and Fire is shipped to your door in specially sealed cartons that lock in freshness for up to two years. Get 15% off your order today with code DRLEAF when you go to kettleandfire.com forward slash DRLEAF. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. Do you see any other impact on mental health? Like maybe does it increase anxiety or depression? Okay, okay. Some other people showed that with multiple sclerosis, for example, there is a fungal role as well. We know at least that there is a connection between the blood brain, sorry, the gut brain access 
we mm-hmm. have it can it could affect our mood okay now the direct evidence that it affects our mood really comes from studies that they took mice they gave them antibiotics and lo and behold they were depressed you know and their mm-hmm. their behavior changed now we need to do such studies in the fungi and i hope it will be coming very soon to connect directly the mood and the depression as you say but between you and me i'm i won't i will be surprised if it doesn't show it but at the moment we really need that evidence i think we need that evidence yeah but it's kind of logical isn't it because if you think of it there's such a it's so common that people complain about feelings of depression after taking antibiotics especially strong ones and for long long courses of antibiotics and we know that they mess with the microbiome and so we know that they mess with the microbiome so it seems like a logical conclusion exactly exactly and yes and that's what we you know it's so exciting I, I, so many things I, I want to do and other people, you know, the good news is that I'm starting to see that other scientists now figured out that we really should look at both bacteria and fungi. And I'm hoping in the coming, let's say, three to five years, we are going to have a great information and a new understanding in specific areas as well. Depression, mood, even attraction. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So, yes, uh, definitely. This is that's why it's I'm really excited about this area. Oh, that I'm excited too. I think you really can you know, you've really have opened a whole new door for people to look into, a whole new window for people to look into when it comes to mental and physical health. Can you explain you you've referenced the gut brain axis? Can you just talk a little bit more about the gut brain axis? Sure. And then what what factors can disrupt the gut brain axis? First of all, let's define what what is the gut brain axis refers to. It is really to the, the communication between our gut and the brain. If you think about it, for many years, the brain was considered the main switch that control our organs, systems, behavior, and personality. Okay? Mm-hmm. However, recent discoveries have changed that concept, where nowadays we believe that there is a bidirectional or two-way communication between the gut and the brain. And this two-way communication, it's harmonizing the functions of our two organs, both the brain and the gut, okay? And that's why now we started to get information that the gut-brain access is critical for maintaining the microbial balance. The way the brain talks to our gut and the gut talks to our brain really plays an important role in balancing the microbiome. And as you know, in our gut, and as you know, if you have this balance, we are going to feel much, much more better and hopefully in better mood as well. So just to give you an example, okay, if we have how the brain talks to our gut, what happens if there are changes in the levels or the amount of cortisol it will affect the way our body responds to stress. Mm-hmm. And the stress itself can lead to gastrointestinal disturbance. Mm-hmm. Okay? And of course, affect the balance of the microbiota. Now, mm-hmm. the other way, if we, how the gut talks to our brain, if you have dysbiosis in the gut, imbalance in the gut, this will alter 
certain chemicals in the brain. For example, you know better than me, serotonin and dopamine. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that itself can directly impact or affect our mood. Okay? Mm. And of course, when you have these changes, could lead to increased anxiety, depression, and even may bring certain changes in eating habits, which further complicate the situation and increase the imbalance. That's so, you've explained that so well. You know, I work in, in, in mind management as well with the whole brain. My approach is not drug based, it's all mind management based. And always, when I was practicing clinically, and now that I do clinical trials and I do books and talk about this, oh. and always consistently, there has been, since I've 30 years ago when I began this in this field, people would always talk about the gut issues in terms of if it was a learning problem they were worried about or if it was a traumatic brain injury, if it was a trauma, if it was just a learning disability, whatever. there was, It was very, very seldom that there wasn't some sort of gut issue. So I was so excited to see how now there's such a strong move in the gut-brain direction. And I'm so glad that you're adding now the fungi aspect, the microbiome aspect, because that definitely hasn't been added to the equation sufficiently. So I'm interested to see what that brings out in upcoming years like yourself. Yes, that's great. I really, that's why I really, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. So when our gut-brain axis is totally out of whack, I know the flexibility of the microbiome to impacts the amount of serotonin and dopamine in the gut. Are you finding that the fungi also impact the serotonin dopamine levels in the gut when the gut-brain axis is out of whack? What we found is if, when the gut out of whack, what we're finding is that the fungi, usually the mechanism how it affects the brain and it could lead to mood change, depression, is that it affects our immune system. And immune if your, system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if your immune system is affected, as you know, we'll start to have more infection. But apart from that, we'll start to have some what you call molecules in their cell wall could go affect our brain uh, mm. immunity, uh, immunity. And therefore, you will start to have more and more issues. But mm. if we have the brain, gut-brain axis is totally out of whack, the easiest thing we know is that there are certain sem- symptoms that become clear. People start having issues with motility disorders, chronic constipation. Sometimes they have, of course, inflammatory bowel diseases different with whether it's IBD, Crohn's. Also, you have infection with gastroenteritis, for example. You know, mm. so these are very clear relation and it has been shown to be at least with respect to, as you know, motility disorder and inflammation with the fungi. So does the fungi always lead to inflammation in the gut or can you have situations where there is like someone's had a colonoscopy or something like that and they see that and they are and biopsies and they see that there isn't an inflammation, but there's still major GI issues. Could that be maybe be a fungi related issue? There was a very good study which was published and it showed that they had a model, animal model, which is a DSS model. It's, it's basically like Crohn's or colitis. And mm-hmm. what they did they gave the animal an antifungal, which is an antifungal agent which will kill the bad fungus, okay? And guess what? They really, inflammatory symptoms went down and they became much, much, much better. So you can see mm. how, how yeah, the contribution of fungi into the inflammatory process, definitely the symptoms got reduced. But again, whether it is cause or effect. Effect is, is not known yet, yeah. 
but definitely affects the symptom, inflammatory symptoms. Okay, so fantastic. So to keep our gut-brain axis running or balanced, what are some of the dietary measures we can take? And I know you address this in a brilliant way in your book. So could we get into a little bit of that? Well, I think really, if we think about it, what could affect our gut-brain axis? You know, if we have stress, if we have poor sleep pattern, as well as the most critical point is the diet we follow. We need Mm. a diet that is really balanced, that will encourage the growth of the good guys, the good bacteria and fungus, and that can reduce the pathogenic ones, okay? At the same time, we need to have food, for example, such as garlic, apple cider vinegar, that can get rid of the digestive biofilm, because that we know will affect our gut-brain access. So it's like cleaning your teeth in the morning. You need foods to clean your gut. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay. We can't <laughs> brush our gut. <laughs> exactly, to brush our gut out. So can you give an overview of the microbiome diet? And I'm stressing the word microbiome because it's not microbiome. Microbiome diet that you've outlined in your book, Total Gut Balance. Yes. What are, what are the core elements? What are some of the best foods that you suggest for a healthy, balanced gut? First of all, sort of the microbiome diet, a 30,000 view, is a research-backed and based on solid science, where what we did, we would like to have a diet which is nutritionally balanced. Mm-hmm. You need to have all food-based. Of course, we need low glycemic, and that brings us, uh, I will talk about some, some now food, how we can do that. We want it to be rich in fibers and resistant starch. Okay, mm-hmm. and also very important to be low in sugars. Okay, the fat we eat, we would like to have the mono and polyunsaturated plant fats in particular because they are very, very good. And we want to reduce the amount of saturated fats, which sometimes could be found in dairy. That's why we recommend low fat or no fat dairy. You know, we need to select the right type of proteins lean plant proteins, but you can have also some proteins from chicken, from seafood in particular, fantastic. And Mm -hmm. when we designed it, we want the diet to be flexible, diverse, and also customizable. Because, you know, a lot of the time, diets try to limit. Mm. And people cannot stick, like don't eat carb, don't eat fat, don't eat protein, you know, certain proteins, whatever. I think it's very difficult for people to do that for a long time and also to have it as a way of life, really. New way to try to have the right food to balance your gut and most importantly, to feel good in your digestive tract as well as in your overall wellness. So this is the design which we try to have. So in, I, I see that in your book, you have like the different sections. I put dysbiosis, you'll have like a questionnaire and then you, do you have suggested diets for that and so on? Can you, can you walk us through how the plan is laid out in the book for yes. people in terms of identifying the best gut balance diet for themselves? Yes. So first of all, w- there are a couple of ways you can identify whether a person has gut balance or not. Number one is the simplest, which you said there is a questionnaire we have in the book where if you have constipation, bloating, diarrhea, something is not right there, okay? And we Mm -hmm. have different sort of scenarios where you could fall into a normal 
microbiome, which is the balanced situation, or you can have a microbiome where you have high number of organisms that are inflammatory, cause inflammation, such, uh, such as protobacteria. And mm-hmm. in that case, we need to make sure you take fibers, you take vitamin D3, for example, so that we can bring this down. And we also found another group of people who are tend to be overweight, and these they, these people try will have an increase in what we call firmacutes, which is one of the bacterial phyla, and that again you need to try to eat the right stuff so that we can reduce the firmacutes and increase the bacteroides so that we have good balance. Now. We also found that some people may have imbalance in the bacteria alone, but others have bacteria and fungus. And in this case, if you have both bacterial and fungal imbalance, then you need to start addressing the fungus. Like, for example, you should have low carb. And when I say low carb, I'm talking about refined sugar, processed mm-hmm. sugar, all sweets, you know, candies we eat. They have so much sugar, which guess what happens to them? Mm. It encourages the growth of the fungus. So we need to cut those down. We need to. Mm. Also- it makes them grow more. So the sugar is actually growing fungus. Yes, yes. Especially the refined sugar. Okay. Mm. Now, we also need to have, we found in our studies and others, that the, if you have a deficiency in vitamin A, B, and C, you are likely to have issues in your gut because of fungus. So make sure you you have enough vitamin. You are not deficient in this vitamin. Then what we'd like to do is to eat fibers, which you can, as you know, you can find fiber in a multitude mm-hmm. of plants. You have also resistant starch, which you can find it in unripened bana- bananas, oatmeal, sweet potatoes. There are so many products which can you can have resistant starch and i gave you just a few examples examples what do you mean dr ganoon by a resistant starch this is really very good question you know resistant starch it means we cannot our body our intestine cannot break it down okay mm. so it goes through our small intestine and then end up in our large intestine and the microbes in our large intestine start breaking it down. So they Mm. are resistant to breaking down by our system, but microbes, especially the good bacteria, love this. And guess what? Mm. They start to break it down, and then they start to produce some small compounds or small molecules, you may say, which are very beneficial to our health such Mm. as short-chain fatty acids, for example. So these resistant starch, you eat them, you don't bring them, they go down to your lower gut and the bugs there or the microbiome there breaks them and really help your health. Oh, you've explained that so well. I like how you explained that. Really, really easy to understand. That's fantastic. I've heard you say, and I've seen it in your book, that you can start healing your fungal issues within 24 hours on this microbiome diet, but it takes much longer to to heal the microbiome. So the microbiome, the fungus, is quicker to treat than the microbiome, which can, can take years. Is that correct? Have I understood that correctly? It is correct. And actually, a study was done by Dr. Hoffman, where he showed that 
Fungi can change in what you call short-term diet, okay, which is very short time it changes, whereas with bacteria, because it's really stabilized, does not change very fast, it takes a long-term diet. And what's nice about this, if you can change your fungus very fast within 24 mm -hmm. hours, like if you stop eating all these sweets and sugars and candies, mm -hmm. you know, you are going to start to starve the candida and you will start feeling better much sooner than if you eat all those refined sugars and the other stuff, which is really westernized diet, high fat meat and this sort of thing. Mm, that's fantastic. That's so interesting. So it's very encouraging for people as well because they can get you know, immediate results on this microbiome diet and that's then encouraging as they build, rebuild their microbiome. So your diet, even though it's geared towards the microbiome, is also going to help with the microbiome. It's very important, yes, because remember, we said to have total mm -hmm. gut balance, we really need to balance both bacteria and fungus. The other thing about our diet, which is really important to remember, it's not just about food. It's also about our lifestyle. Mm. You know, we are all so stressed these days, as you know. You mm -hmm. know, you go work, we have to so many deadlines and this sort of thing, and then go home, take care of the kids. And you know better than me, you are a mother. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. You working so hard in your job, then you go home, you take care of your kids, and it is so stressful. And this relates to your subject of interest, which is the gut-brain axis, mm -hmm. where stress, as we mentioned, can affect the gastrointestinal tract and the organism living there, make you feel really much, much worse than if you are do some meditation, do some yoga. So you need to take care of the diet as well as lifestyle. Try to sleep better. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's a huge part of the work I do as well. And we just released an app called Switch, which is based on 30 years of my work and clinical research and clinical work in practice and so on. And it's really helping people to manage their mind. You know, so you teach them how to manage their diet and their microbiome, microbiome, and I'm helping them with their mind management. So it's a good balance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, what you know, it's absolutely important. I mean, I don't, obviously this is not my area, but I know. You can see it, yeah. See, you know, I, even for me, I never did yoga before. And now I'm doing yoga. And honestly, by the end of the session, it's really such fun. You know, you I agree with you. Oh. I agree with you. I do it as well. And I do hot yoga and with my kids oh. and that sculpture. And it feels so good afterwards. It really does help. I, I, I tell you, my wife, she laughs at me. She said, go, go to your yoga. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. You mentioned eating cruciferous vegetables every day, but many people have bad reactions to things like broccoli. So how can you explain how these vegetables are helpful to the gut and how we can train our bodies not to react to them? I think number one is these cruciferous vegetables are rich in anti-inflammatory as well as antioxidant compounds, which really very, very good for our overall health. Now, I really agree with you. If somebody wants to start a diet, you jumping into it all the way, you may have some issues. That's why in the book we say, look, we have one week to train yourself. Take it easy. Try to do a little bit of change, you know. And then as you finish the first week, if you now, your body got used to it, great, you can go into the longer. Otherwise, take your time. Try to select 
what is good for you. You know, some people never take fiber and then suddenly they take so much fiber, you know, guess what? They start to have bloating, they start to have gas and this sort of mm-hmm. thing. So to me, the, the main principle in my diet is moderation. Mm, I love that. So it's actually not just having a whole ton of it at once. It's having a tiny little bit that you build up your tolerance because our brain and our bodies adapt to whatever we put into them. So it's training your body to learn how to eat the cruciferous vegetables over time. And that's kind of almost individual, but it does take time. Have I understood you correctly? Is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's why really with any new system you are going into, take your time and listen to your body. And then, you know, slowly, slowly. And it is normal. Some people, maybe it will not affect them because they already take a sort of a healthy diet, but they just need to optimize it. Where are others who are, let's say, in Western diet where we are encouraging all the bacteria that can cause inflammation to grow? Suddenly we stop taking that and we are feeding all the good guys these huge amount of fiber. It is not the way to go. No, you can't just suddenly slam your body with it. So you were saying that the cruciferous vegetables help with our anti-inflammatory and help yes. with the immune and the, and the immune system. Is that the other? Yes, yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and it's an antioxidant, which is so important. Okay. So you also recommend a tablespoon of raw apple cider vinegar each day. Can you tell us why? Because I mentioned that in our gut, we have the digestive plaque. And the studies have shown that apple cider vinegar, as well as garlic and coconut oil, really have good activity against this digestive plaque. So what you need to do is take maybe a spoonful of apple cider vinegar, add it into your salad. And people also need to be careful sometimes because it has a lot of acidity. You know, it's the acidic acid in it and the Mm -hmm. apple cider vinegar. You don't have to eat it neat. Just add it into your salad so that it does not affect your enamel, your teeth and this sort of thing. Okay, very good. That's wonderful. That's how I use it. So in in a salad, it's great. And even sometimes in cooking. So how is your diet different from other diets like the paleo diet or the Mediterranean diet or keto? This is really very, very important question. What we did, we looked at all the available diet. And as you know, there are some really good, good diets around. Okay. So with Mm -hmm. that in mind, what we did is really looked at including what is the best of a given diet and eliminate those ingredients that are shown to have a negative impact on our gut, for example. I'll give you an example, okay, just to make Mm -hmm. it clear. You know, there are diets which are great with respect to whole natural seasonal foods, which is very Mm -hmm. nice. However, they exclude, you know, other important stuff such as grains or legume, which really what it does, it does not feed the good bacteria, which we need them to be happy, you know, because those good bacteria, the probiotic you give them, they are going to grow. Not only they are going to benefit our body by secreting these good molecules, but also they can keep candida and other bad guys under control. So Mm. selected the we share the whole natural seasonal food idea with those diet, but we include whole grains and legumes so that we can ensure we have enough probiotics to support the beneficial bacteria and fungi. 
Okay, I see what you're saying. So you've got to make sure that you have the full spectrum in order to be able to keep the naturally keep the fungi and, and bacteria balanced and then to make sure that you get the food that feeds the microbiome. Okay, yes. that makes so much sense. Okay. One of the best ways to help your children develop their stress resilience, become more confident, less anxious is through brain building activities. That's why I love KiwiCo and cannot recommend it enough. KiwiCo is a science and art subscription box for kids, tested by kids. I gave a few boxes to a friend who has two young children and I just love watching their excitement as they learn to build cool things like a disc launcher while learning about physics and inertia. KiwiCo makes education fun, which makes the knowledge more sustainable and useful. As a parent, it can be hard to find creative and new things to keep your children busy and challenged, especially during the holidays like summer vacation. KiwiCo solves that problem and you can spend quality time tackling projects together. KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. The other thing which is important, the diets, for example, there are many books on the microbiome diet and diet being published, and they really only focus on the bacteria, as you know. We both mm. focus on both bacteria and fungi. Also, and I think that's so important, yeah. Yes. Also, with respect to what we've been talking about, lifestyle, we also include lifestyle because, you know, I can tell you, we talked about stress. This mm -hmm. is so important, especially for the brain gut access, you know, the gut brain access. Mm -hmm. And we, I can give you an example. We had a lady, we did the, her gut uh, testing. You know, we have a test which called gut report testing. We, yeah, I wanted you to talk a bit, but as soon as you finish this question, I want you to tell our okay. listeners about that and how they can get that okay. done. Okay, but so, so this lady took that test and we looked at and we found that her gut is out of balance. Then we looked at what is she eating? And lo and behold, she eating really good food. So then we went into the questionnaire because anybody who send us their stool sample or fecal sample, we look at, we have them fill a questionnaire. And in the questionnaire, it was clear she was so stressed out, severely stressed out. Mm. She so that's why we, our nutritionist advised her to start doing what we talked about, meditation, yoga, Go out for walks. Just take a few minutes in a day. Close your eyes and don't think about anything if you can, you know. So this is really very, very important. Mm, that's fantastic. So you basically, this test that, what test would you recommend that people take to or do to, to find the health level of their microbiome and microbiome? And, and where does one start? Because I know that you can yes. help us with that. Yes, sure. When we started this work, we wanted to understand the imbalance whether a person has a good balanced microbiome or not. And we started commercializing a product which is called gut report testing. What people do, they order the gut report through biomehealth.com. Once they ordered it, before they accepted, you fill a questionnaire because we want to know about your lifestyle, what you eat, if you have any issues, if you are taking any medication. And, and then they'll send the sample 
we looked at the, uh, we analyzed the profile of bacteria and fungus, and then in, then we'll say, okay, is it balanced or it is not balanced? If it is balanced, that's fantastic. You encourage them to continue what doing what they are doing, and you know, and that's great. Now, if it is imbalanced, then our nutritionist will try to help them and by recommending dietary approach, lifestyle approach, as well as some nutritional supplements, which are going to help them to rebalance their gut. I love that. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well so the listeners can get their hands on that one. I wanted to also ask you, what are your thoughts on prebiotic and probiotic supplements? Should we be taking them? And if so, what time of the day should it be on an empty stomach? You know, what, what advice can you give us? That's great. First of all, just to define for the listeners, the probiotic is, are made of microbial strains or my, uh, microbes both bacteria and fungi that are good, that are safe. And these, when they when you take them, they go into the large intestine and they help the good microbes to really grow and be be the dominant, the dominant community there, which allow them to keep the bad guys. Now, with the probiotic, because we need these organisms to reach our gut to be alive or what we call them viable, you need to make sure they can go through our stomach, which is have a high acidity. You know, it's like acidic environment. And to do this, there are a couple of ways. People, they do coating, for example, where it goes, the, the capsule goes through the stomach and it stays alive. But I also recommend that if you take your probiotic after you eat in the morning or if you like in your, before you go to sleep after dinner, this will be a good idea. Why? Because studies have shown that the stomach acidity is really high when you don't eat for a long time. However, when you eat, let's say we have our breakfast, half an hour after that, guess what? The Acidity become less. It go, the, what we call the pH goes up from mm-hmm. four up to four or six, which really does not kill the viable microbes. So I usually personally take my probiotic after breakfast, and you know uh, each day I take one 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 capsule. You know now mm-hmm. with respect to the prebiotic, prebiotic are basically fibers. Okay, mm-hmm. and we take them. Because we want to feed the good bugs in our gut, which we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And that, again, you can take it, you really can take it in the morning with your food or in the evening. It's whatever, whatever convenient to you. It's mm-hmm. basically fibers. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That's so good. I'm so you gave such a good comprehensive answer there because it's a question people ask all the time. So thank you for that. That's excellent. Now, I know that you spoke about and we've got a couple more questions because I know that you've been incredible. Thank you for all oh, your incredible wisdom. Welcome. You've mentioned that antibiotics can mess up our micro and microbiome. Are there any other types of medications that can do the same thing that sure. people should be aware of? And then they can obviously you know, make dietary changes to support Yes. You know, in the book, we, ha- we had a list of medications that could affect our microbiome. For example, people take this acid reflux for their acid reflux, the pump, the pumps, they take all these steroids sometimes. 
really a lot of medication, over-the-counter medication have been shown to influence our microbiome. So you really don't need to take them except if you have to. I mean, mm-hmm. even antibiotics, sometimes mm. we really need to take them. If you have an infection, you have to take them. But sometimes people take it just to say, oh, maybe just to avoid getting mm. infected. You know, mm. any medication that is not really necessary, you should not take. Not everything, you know, a pill is good. Of course, you have to consult with your physician, you know, but in general, mm-hmm. over-the-counter OTC products are not really fantastic safe. or safe with respect to our gut. You know, definitely mm. people who have GERD, for example, they take all these, you know, proton uh, pump inhibitors. It's mm. is really not a good way. That's that really can mess up the gut, those, the, the pepsids and those kind of things. So go ahead. You know, the others, of course, when you are sick, people take cancer drug or other drugs, mm. they may affect your gut, obviously, because you are you become immunocompromised and this sort of thing. But the good thing is now people with all this new knowledge, they are started to thinking of their physicians, you know, how can we really rebalance their gut with the food and the diet to lessen the effect of all these drugs? Because these are necessary for our life. We have to take them. Yeah, there is, it's so good that you've, you've mentioned that there is such an awareness now. There's definitely a shift in the medical community and also in the general, the server, the end user. They are much more aware and are asking their doctors more. So there's a, a shift there. And that leads me to my last question is, what are some of the health and wellness trends that have excited you and some that have you concerned? You know, I, I really, I am really excited about the fact that we are starting to understand that what we eat matters to our Mm. gut health as well as our over health. And to me, I like people to know that it is all in your hand. (laughs) It's like Mm. taking care of your garden. You need roses, you feed them, you give them their nutrients, fertilizers, and then you have lovely garden. If Mm. you don't, you are going to have weeds, okay? So Mm -hmm. now it's in your hand to feed the good organisms and kill the weeds, the bad ones. Mm, I love that. So so this is really very exciting to me. Also, the concept that, so this is the the really, this is really very, very exciting to me is is this idea that we can do something about it. Mm, I love that. Now, what I'm concerned about is the increase in the number of obese individuals. Not mm. only you know in our country as well as really all over the world, because mm. as you know, overweight can lead to a number of diseases, ranging from, of course, diabetes to heart problems. So mm-hmm. I really would like people to start trying to feed their microbiome the right way. Because by the way, if you have a balanced gut, you are gonna start losing weight. You know, we did mm. actually a clinical trial for our diet. And even though our aim was not weight loss, I guess what happened? They, participant lost up to 10 pounds on the diet. So mm. to me, it's very important. If you balance your gut, you are going to lose weight. And by doing this, you are going to be really better. You are going to have better gut health as well as overall wellness. 
That is fantastic. I love that. People always love to hear that when they do something that's good for their body, that they're going to get the added benefit of losing weight. So exactly. that's, that's really great. Well, Dr. Gunu, this has been absolutely outstanding. How can people get hold of you and find out more about you? First of all, I want to really thank you very much for having me. That's the first. The second, they can reach out to me by, I, I started a website called drmicrobiome.com. D-R microbiome.com we have we build this a new website which is building a community you have access to a lot of new recipes really delicious recipes also the community is really talking together and helping each other so this is one way drmicrobiome.com that's really the way you can find find me that's wonderful and where can people get hold of your book because i think it's just a fantastic book to have in one's hands Thank you very much. You can have it in Amazon. It is there. Barnes and Nobles, even some shops at Costco's, they have it. Another place, there is a site, totalgutbook.com. Also, you can get it there. Fantastic. Well, we'll have all those links in the show notes. Once again, Dr. Ganum, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your insight, and for teaching us about something that most people don't know about, that to teach us how important it is to, to find out about the fungi in our body. And just your whole approach is fantastic. And thank you for the research you're doing. And I would certainly love to have you back on my podcast again oh, to learn more from you. Thank you very much. Honestly, I, I tremendously enjoyed it. And please, let me know if I can help in any way, shape or form, especially because the way you look at the brain and the way I look, the, the gut and with this access, we can complement each other and help each other. Thank you very I much. I totally agree. I think, you know, I do clinical trials and I would love to do some research with you. So we should really talk about doing some work together because I think this <laughs> is such a fantastic two sides of the same coin. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then... I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.